You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. This is episode 52. We've made it through a year. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is a full panel, uh, minus Bruce. We have freelance writer Tom Chick. If I can get anyone a coffee, the offer still stands. Freelance writer Julian Murdoch, fresh hello, to hello, it's, Ecuador. It's good to be back. And freelance writer Rob Zachney. Good evening. Uh, so welcome everyone to the final episode of uh, 52 Weeks. Uh, this week we're talking about Sins of a Solar Empire Diplomacy, the new expansion to one of the best uh, large-scale RTSs, large-scale 4X games uh, of the last, good lord, last how long, certainly one of my favorite games. Uh, we're going to talk about diplomacy and what it adds, what it subtracts, and how it changes uh, the dynamics of Sins of a Solar Empire. And I'm sure we all have a lot to say about that. I know that Rob and Tom played against each other, and Rob and Julian played against each other, so you've all had a lot of good multiplayer experience with this. I've just had some single-player stuff uh, going on. Um, I'm just going to open this with saying that I hadn't played Sins in a very long time. It had been many months, and I had almost forgotten how elegantly slowly paced it was. And I kept getting my ass handed to me over and over and over again by a very aggressive computer. <laughs> I like the word you, you say elegantly and, and slow, and I like the word stately. Stately, stately. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I always feel like I'm playing on board like a cruise liner, sipping a, a refined cocktail, like for the well, first I'm hour. That, I'm convinced that's why it's got a reputation as being a 4X game, which I disagree with pretty strongly. But right. I, I think what people mean when they say it's like a 4X game is that it takes a long time and it doesn't have the pacing of a traditional RTS. Yeah, it, it, that, it, it lacks the, the frantic nature of it, right? I mean, I think that even um, certainly if you look at it, uh, you know, RTSs lately, like they've become more frantic, like Dawn of War 2 being the most, you know, aggressive example where you're playing 15 minute battles. Um, I think there's been a tendency to make RTSs more action-y, more action oriented. And this is, is all the way on the other end of the spectrum. But I, I agree. I, it, to me, the best part about diplomacy is it brought me back to Sins of a Solar Empire, which is just, it's just so awesome. It's so was great. It, was it hard for you, Julian, like it was for me? And it sounds like Troy as well. To come back to it after being away for a while, I, like I, it's so unlike other RTSs, and it has so many of its own idioms, sort of idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really, when I first started playing, I was like, "Whoa, what's what's going on? What the what does this do? What am I supposed to?" It was so overwhelming at first. And me. you two guys played through entrenchment. I missed entrenchment. I skipped that entire. Oh level. my god! Then oh yeah, that Troy. Yeah, because entrenchment was a much bigger change to the game. I think I, entrenchment. I, I, you know, the, the top line bullet points on entrenchment, which are really sort of star bases and mines, um, those by themselves completely change the strategic dynamic of play, um, you know, in a military sense. But along the way, entrenchment was really kind of the first big patch for the game, too. And I mean, and that doesn't mean they haven't patched it along the way, but a lot of balance things changed when entrenchment came out. So if you skipped entrenchment and you dove right into diplomacy, which is really much more of a fine tuning right. uh, in, in that regard, then, yeah, that's a big gulp. I played a lot of entrenchment, so, uh, you know, when which was only what six months ago or something like that um and so it didn't feel that out of whack for me i mean the tech trees had all altered enough that i had to really 
you know, the first time I played each of the three races, I did have to sit there and spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes sort of reading through the tech tree to say, oh, okay, I see where it's headed. Because I hadn't read any of the patch notes or the spoilers or reviews or anything before I jumped right in. So, Tom, you were you were struggling as well? It, it came back to me, but I just remember it, it. It's not like jumping into any other RTS, and because it because of its idiosyncrasies for how it plays, how you're supposed to expand the pacing. Uh, so yeah, it was a little tough to get into, but I can only imagine having not played Entrenchment. It's like like Julian said, Entrenchment really did change the the, the basic balance of the game. Uh, diplomacy doesn't do that. It's entirely possible to play the full package, which they're calling Sins of a Solar Empire, colon, Trinity. It's entirely possible to play that and never touch on the diplomacy stuff, but you can't play and not touch on the entrenchment stuff. Uh, that gets completely folded into the equation. Well, I guess the only... I, I don't really disagree, except to say that one of the things that diplomacy has brought is, a, in my opinion, a massive improvement in the AI, Right. And so even if you play with the diplomacy expansion, but don't use any of the diplomacy stuff, you know, you don't research that part of the tree and you turn off diplomatic victories, um, which is very easy to do. Um, the AI itself, I think, is much smarter than it was oh, yeah. in entrenchment. And it's learned how to do things like effectively use mines and effectively clear mines and move star bases around the solar system to to really effectively block jump lanes and all sorts of stuff that it was just ludicrously bad at before. So I want to get Rob in here because, Rob, uh, you, you've played uh, two multiplayer games, one with me, one with Julian. Uh, explain for people listening how each of those games went. I'm curious how they – I know how the game with me unfolded, but I'm curious how it unfolded with, with Julian. So, so, Rob, you've had the benefit of two multiplayer games. How did they go? Um, more than that, actually. My partner and I have been playing all day. Um, You're playing yeah, like, your, like with, your, with your law firm? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You can call her your girlfriend. Like, does she not want you to say my girlfriend? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we, we lived together and been together for three years. You know, it's like my girlfriend. That sort of seems to undersell it. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I guess. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. You, your partner and you played a game. You played with me. You played with Julian. Go ahead. What are, what are we talking about again? Um, no, I, I guess. Dear Abby. What, what, what happened with... Um, you know, with the game with you, Tom, and and, and in the the game, uh, Julian and I play together. Uh, they both end in diplomatic victory, um, and I guess my my reaction is that the having the diplomatic victory option activated really sort of shortens the game. Um, what happened when Tom and I were playing in a free for all against computers um, is that well, Tom basically took the coward's way out. <laughs> um, and I have a whole new sympathy for Bruce Garrick, uh, cause Tom just sort of turtled up there in a corner of the solar system and kept sending pirates my way, um, so that I was constantly like drowning in harassment tactics. And then, he but that's, was, but that's a brilliant way to level up all your cap ships. Once somebody starts doing that, you put three or four cap ships out and all of a sudden you have four level five cap ships. Um, you didn't know, you didn't if, know that response if, strategy. <laughs> if you're if you're a good player, um, yes, that's that's how it works. Uh, but but for me, it was it was kind of disruptive. I was still sort of that was my first game with uh, you know sins in a long time, and I was still sort of finding my feet. Um, so that that sort of tripped me up. Um, and then when we were playing together, it was you, me, and my partner Julian versus uh, the AIs, and. Um, 
I don't know. Once again, it was. I think we had we had an interesting game going. Um, you know, some pretty vicious fights shaping up, and then I felt the game just sort of ended uh, because an AI had been making progress on the diplomatic front. You know, pretty steadily, and just as the battle was really getting joined, you know, it just it just terminated. Right. What the diplomacy victory does, and I, I realized this, Rob, and I actually, you and I, Rob, talked about it being almost like a wonder victory where uh, it's especially suited to a turtler's tactic where you sit back and you just focus on building up those diplomacy points. But hearing you talk, it, it occurs to me, I think it's almost more like a game timer. Yes, uh, it is. And, and I appreciate for, for one of the problems, if you want to call it that, but it's also a strength of, of the game, is that Sins really does take a long time to play out. You can play on really big maps. When when you and I played, uh, Rob, we had the three star systems, and I don't think we ever left our corner. No. <laughs> Neither of us expanded out beyond it. Uh, so normally, a game and, and a game like that would have been you and I tunkering down, waiting for the AI to roll over us, because the orange player, that Vasari player, was was far and away in first place throughout the entire game in terms of its military and, and how much of the map it controlled. But because we were able to game the the game clock, as it were, with the diplomacy, it does an end run around that. Right. Uh, my, so so my that's sense, one area. I, Go ahead, Julie. Tell me if tell me if anybody else knows the answer to this. But but my sense is that um, the the march of diplo- diplomatic points is somewhat inexorable. I mean, there are yeah. ways to lose diplomatic points, but not much. Are and there? Because really, I'm not sure about that. Are there ways to lose? There points? there are. There are, um, but they're, but they're the pretty minor. Are. Right, like if you ignore people's requests, um, and don't, if you like immediately reject somebody's request, there's virtually no penalty. But if you just well, now ignore that, Julian somebody's is, request, uh, there, there's two different things here, Julian, and this is what confused me a little bit. Uh, there is your particular standing with one faction, and I think right. that's a number between one and, and zero and, and twenty. But right. then there are the diplomatic points that you've amassed over the course of the game, right? Which now, you get for doing missions up and, and down. Stuff like that. Standing, Wait, the standings go up, go up and down, down but, but I believe you can also lose diplomatic points if you have, by default, accepted a mission and then failed it. I, I think, think you actually do lose. could be wrong, well, but, my, be my wrong. but, when we were but playing, either way, either way, you don't lose much because I, I have yet to actually notice anybody's diplomatic standings going down. Uh, and and as such, it, it really does serve as a game timer because even if somebody's just sort of doing a minimal level of diplomatic work, those points are just going to accumulate towards victory. Right? Okay, do we want to, to, for our listeners, do we want to first explain the new diplomatic options? <laughs> we talk about you know, what's well. It's like I was adding, subtracting. Let's talk about you know first what is it? What is diplomacy? Right. They had didn't they have standing in there before? Like yes. there, there was yes. a bar for. So what they've done is they've taken your standing with all of the players in the game, and they use that uh, based on the player's strength to tally a total number of diplomatic points that you have. So, for instance, if all four of us are in a game, and if Rob is, 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 is it, uh, you know, he's got like 100 points of power in the game, and then all the rest of us have only 50 points of power, it behooves me to be friendly with Rob. I get more points out of that. I would only get half as many points if I was friends with Troy, who's only at 50% of his power. So what it does is it takes a measure of your standing weighted by that player's strength in the game and gives you diplomatic points. Right. And if you have diplomatic victory enabled, which if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's turned off by default, which is a little weird. But if you have diplomatic victory enabled, there's a set number of points that once you accumulate, 
you've won the game. And as, as we were talking, as I was uh, trying to talk to Julian, I don't think that set number of points can move backwards. I could be wrong about that. Well, the yeah, I mean, the, way, the way you just sort of described that made it sound like a zero sum game, which it's definitely not. People accumulate points over time. Um, so it's not like my points are at the cost of your points with a particular race or anything like that. Um, so I just want to be clear. It's not a zero sum game the, the in, in embarking on diplomatic missions, embarking on diplomatic relations, setting up trade treaties, all of those things, I believe, have positive diplomatic points associated with them, which right. don't go away. Right. And the way that I won the game with Rob is that I buddied up to the first place player. Uh, you know, we had an orange player, the Vasari, who was running away with the game, and I got to be very close friends with him. And from that, even though I was weak, I racked up enough points to finally hit that end game timer and hit the diplomatic victory. Condition. So this is a game that diplomacy encourages to use my international relations education. Great PhD I paid for that I'm not using. <laughs> uh, it encourages bandwagoning and not balancing. Where you sidle well, up to. Uh, the more it, powerful it, players, instead of necessarily fighting against them. It, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure that it encourages it, Troy. It allows that as an option. Right. One of my concerns about diplomacy was that, uh, and this, I, I said something about this early on, which I, I kind of need to take back, but one of my concerns was that it was going to add a third element to the paper, rock, scissors, a fourth element to paper, rock, scissors, which is the balance of, of any good RTS, that doesn't really fit in. And I don't think that's the case anymore. But what I was concerned about was that it was going to be, you know, uh, rush, boom, turtle, woo. You know, it adds on that fourth thing you can do, uh, like paper, rock, scissors, bribe. But it doesn't do that. I think what it does is it plays into the turtling strategy. If you're going to turtle, it's another it, – it takes research. It's definitely an economic drain. Uh, you, you have to buy all the technologies that let you game the diplomacy – uh, you yep. can get a lot of diplomatic points by just funneling resources into other players. Um, but it, it, it seems to me it fleshes out the turtling aspect of Sins of a Solar Empire rather than adding on some new radical concept. To I think, the, I think the, the only reason I would disagree is because you can only actually use diplomatic functions on races that you have discovered. And I found this has actually come in to two of the four games that I've played. No, it's actually not true. Um, uh, it's exactly true. It, it pops up a little tooltip if you try to select a mission on somebody that you haven't actually run into before. So if I... If, if, uh, if when I played with Rob, I was able to... I only met Rob and the orange player, and I was perfectly able to diplomatically interact with the other three players. Were you able Wait, to actually are you, are you, select missions? Yep. Wait, see, hang on, see, hang on. Are, are you certain that... Because I remember in that game... You know, I said to you, I'm seeing new guys enter our system. Uh -huh. And so they were sending scouts through, and I'm pretty sure that establishes contact. Right. Um, so if you haven't if you haven't actually run into their scouts, then you've oh, never oh, actually Oh, okay. Fair contact, enough. Right? But I Which didn't know where that if you're I playing in a multi if you're playing in a multi system game, it's yeah. quite possible that if you take an early turtling strategy, you may not run into anybody and well, your Julian, ability what I don't to actually think you understand is I only had like three planets this whole game. I never left the star system by the time that the other players had sent around their, their scouts. I mean, if, if, if you think that somehow makes it more difficult for a turtler, I think the fact that other players are scouting more than makes up for that. I may not have discovered them, but they certainly discovered Wait. me and I was able to interact with them. See, so I think it's I perfectly viable for a turtler who doesn't even explore the universe, which is which was the case with the, in the game that I had with Rob. 
uh, to go the diplomatic route. See, I had I had two games where I tried that. And and even though I actually had a couple of scouts running around trying to go find everybody and had bought wormhole technology so that they could jump over to the next uh, or long long jump so they could jump over to the next you know, you know galaxy or whatever next system, um, there you know one of the players that I wanted to beat up on I never actually made contact with and so diplomacy was impossible there. It was frustrating. Okay, Rob, you want to talk about anything else about your gaming experiences? Tom cheated. You well, said. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, and, and I mean, you know, the ca- the caveat I put before anything I say about this this expansion is that I'm very very new to sins. I mean, I think you know, with these games I've been playing, you know, this this weekend, um, I've probably only logged in like 25 hours in the game tops. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm very new, and for games like for a game like sins, you know, that's that's a significant factor. It doesn't, you know, there's a lot of depth there, um, but. The way I sort of felt the diplomatic victory was working, and the reason I ended up disabling it, is that rather than being this interesting alternate route to victory, um, at least in the games where I had it activated, it felt like it sort of strangled them in the cradle, you know, where things were just getting warmed up. Because Sins does have this, you know, very slow ramp up to when the action starts happening. By the time we hit that point, um, the leading diplomatic player was already two thirds of the way to the goal, and was racking up points pretty quickly. Right. Uh, Julian and I were just beginning an offensive to try to crush him, um, and I think we just finally brought our economies to the point where we could sustain such an offensive. Well, we were um, jumping into his home in. system. We were, we were. I would say in a normal game, we were the, we were within five or ten minutes of wiping him off the board. Which was, which made it actually really exciting. I liked the fact that there was that timer because in in sort of original sins, the closest thing to that timer was waiting for somebody to get the Uber cannon, right? Which could often be a game ender, right? The, in the pre entrenchment world, um, it w- there was this sort of sense of the race to the final weapon, and if somebody got to the final weapon, a good. 15 minutes before anybody else they just won i mean that just was like game over and entrenchment backed that way down this i think completely eliminates it if you have diplomatic diplomatic victory enabled because there is this back channel to victory i don't know i mean you don't you don't feel that we were kind of excessively rushed there at the end i agree it was exciting there there when we were trying to coordinate one last you know roll the dice but i also feel like that was really the first time um significant action had occurred at least on our end of the uh, galaxy oh uh, well maybe maybe i was just a little more in the thick of it i mean i've been in combat almost non-stop which is why i had a couple cap ships that were already at level five right because i had been constantly fighting that dude the ai enemy okay but well one of the things it lets you do and in in this regard it reminds me of uh Another one of Stardock's games is Galactic Civilizations 2, and that was always only single player. But in Galactic Civilizations 2, there was a lot of manipulating the AI players with their diplomatic system. Mm-hmm. You could you could eventually get uneven trades. You could bully them uh, so that the AI players could almost be like a resource with the way that they ran diplomacy. And that's certainly the case here where the AI, you can you can basically use it. Like in, in my game with you, Rob, you totally would have beaten me if I hadn't basically farmed that orange player for, for diplomacy points. And the orange player wasn't really smart enough to know, uh, hey, this guy's going to win if I keep being buddies with him. 
Um, right. So what it adds is that sense of exploiting the AI with a diplomatic sub-game that you get in these single-player uh, 4X-type games. Uh, it right. adds that. And I would imagine in an, a human-only, and Rob, you and I talked about this a little bit, but in a game with only human players, uh, there would be much more, I think, caution with the diplomacy system and watching how many points different players are racking up and how close they're getting. Uh, I think it would yeah. play out completely different way with with only multiplayer. Well, is well, di- I, is diplomacy viable it. as a multiplayer? Is it? Div- oh, I mean, I played I played I played one three player free for all with no AIs, and honestly, it just never even mattered. It just never well, even came up because you guys were just playing straight up military. Like you guys were just fighting, or uh, why? Well, did- we were playing. We were. I mean, in a three player free for all, we were playing a relatively small map. Oh, well, there you go. Um, right. Yeah, well, because we, you know, we were playing an appropriate map. We were playing a map rated for a four-player free-for-all, and we were playing with three players and no AI. So it was not like we played a tiny map just so that we could get at it. Um, I mean, I was, I don't know, I was like level f- five or six on my military tree, right? So we were, we got pretty advanced into the game. Um, but the diplomatic stuff just sort of never mattered. Well, I think one player was trying to farm missions and stuff like that, but we were all just ignoring it because... None of us wanted to trust each other as, as, as want to happen. Now, what I haven't done and what, uh, you know, our, um, the, the GWJ, the Game of Jobs community tends to do on Saturday is we have usually 12 players and we'll do like two six player free for alls or one six player free for all and one three v three all human players. Now in a six player free for all, I could totally see how setting up alliances early so that you're in a sense swapping diplomatic points with each other could be an interesting strategy. Uh, and not only think, that, Julian, but you're getting the pacts going as well, which is the high end right. diplomatic right. tree stuff where different races can boost for each other different stats, whether it's economy or culture or, or even like right. team weapon strength. Uh, Right, and that's not even that high up. Like I think in the Vasari tree, you only have to be about three levels into the tech tree before you can share mining tech with uh, with another player. Well, it's and that now, high up in that you have to have a full alliance. You, you can't just be, right, right. Like it's something that you have to. Like I couldn't get that with the AI in the the game that I was doing with Rob uh, because I couldn't get the relationship up high enough. But sure, do that sure. But, but as far as like the monetary jump, investment in the tech, you don't have to. Be, it's not like a. It's not like an end game tech. You just need to be working towards setting up those packs. But I imagine in a, like a six-player game where you're going to have alliances form, that could be really interesting. I just haven't had a chance to play that yet. Maybe we one should try that. Wonder, and, and one of the things I wonder about that is how much does it undermine artifacts? For instance, if you get an artifact that boosts right. your culture, that, that used to be you know something special. But if you can research a pack that, that boosts not only your culture but all kinds of other different things – uh, the artifacts are suddenly kind of like you know, shrug-worthy, it seems. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I guess it would depend on the sort of amplitude of the artifacts versus the packs, and that I don't, I don't know the math, right? I haven't dug into the patch notes to figure out the math. Well, hang on, Troy. I mean, what was your experience? I haven't really heard about what you've thought of the expansion so far. Uh, well, because I haven't played much. I I haven't played since Entrenched. A lot of my time was spent, you know, trying to figure what was old and what was new. Um, I thought the Vasari has a lot of really interesting options. Uh, I liked playing the Vasari because this Envoy ship, that's something new, right? Yep. Yeah. Maybe I could just it's park... a lot of micro, too. <laughs> yeah, a ship that you, can just, that you can't attack. It's a diplomatic immunity. And has all these really neat little powers to it. Uh, you could be enforcing you know, ceasefires or whatever they're called. Um, and it's... 
they call the Vasari tech tree is called something else, right? Manipulation, right? Manipulation, yes. Yeah, and instead of diplomacy, and it's. I think that that in itself adds a little bit more personality to the Vasari. Um, so just seeing that was kind of cool. Because one of my issues with Sins in general was how, even though all the races had different voices and their tech trees were different, that kind of played a little bit similarly until you got really deep in. Uh, so that was neat to see. Uh, and also the idea of uh, sharing planet vision, which I think, and that's new too, I believe, right? I think that's been in there. I think the sharing planet vision has been in there before. But the envoy ship, I mean, the envoy ship is kind of key, right? I mean, because the yeah. envoy ship is the one that opens up the ability to have pack. And there's some really neat, I think that in itself, uh, just building a ship, diplomatic ships. It's kind of like, well, there's a civilization. You had to build a diplomat to establish from any diplomatic relations. You had to build, oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> you had to build a unit to actually engage in anything. And right. this is otherwise you were just Genghis Khan. Yeah, right? otherwise you know, and and now you can just you know it's you know 50 BC. I'll just dial up Gandhi on the on the Siva phone, <laughs> and there he is. I don't have to send it. I don't have to make the effort uh, to make contact and to negotiate all these packs because he's always there and always around. Uh, and I think that uh, adds a little bit of more personality and investment even. Uh, well, I, I think, Troy, what you're touching on, and I completely agree, is that the, dis- the gameplay distinctions amongst the three different sides are pretty subtle, and they, they require diving in pretty deeply. It's yeah. not immediately apparent. Right. Like, they all have missile frigates, flagships, and, and, and it's not until, like, for instance, it's the cruisers where you start to get their unique, wacky powers. Right. Uh, right. Uh, now, now, the envoy ships that you're talking about, Troy, and Julian, I don't think... Are, are you saying you need an envoy ship to have a pact with someone? I think that I think that if on the I think on the tech tree at least T E C not tech as in T E C H I think on the tech tree the envoy ship is what opens up packs. Oh, oh you're just talking yeah. right, right for unlocking. Yeah, you know all the envoy ships do, and I do want to talk about this because yeah. this is one area. It, at first, I didn't like it. It was instrumental in the, the game that I played with Rob. Um, what, what they do is they give you a uh, little. Uh, ways to to improve your standing with another race, uh, kind of independent of the normal means. You can fly an envoy ship somewhere and you can park it. Yeah. And here's another instance where each of the three races is distinguished at a deeper, detailed level. When you park it there, they all have that diplomatic immunity thing where they can right. uh, turn off enemy fire for a little while. It's right. not permanent, but it, it does buy them some time there. Uh, but once you've parked there, you can then unlock, like with the cruisers for each race, unlock special abilities. So, uh, for instance, what I did with Rob is there was the, the orange player who was kicking everybody's butt. He was in first place. Is I built a bunch of envoys and I flew them around to his different planets. You park it at the planet. If you've got a ceasefire, it's safe. If you don't, then you kind of got to hurry because it might get killed. And while it's at the planet, you can have bought for it different abilities. So, right. for instance, what I did with Rob is I seeded the other guy's planets with envoys, and then I had the ability, this was unique to the the Advent, who are the psychic chicks, yeah. to sacrifice the envoy for a limited boost in uh, in relationship. Oh, that's awesome. See, that's so great, like, story-wise. I mean, that's, and, and, that really, that flows right. so well with that Advent story. And and what it does, too, Julian, is I, when I got near the end, as I was getting up to, to that, that final balance to... To, to hit the victory level, Rob mounted a huge, he paid a huge pirate raid against me. Um, 
But I was able to, with all of these envoys, basically uh, do a relationship pop. It's sort of like you can do with culture pops in civilization. I just popped all those ships, destroyed them all, and then pushed myself up to that final uh, victory diplomatic relationship score. Um, so the, the Vasari and the TEC, and I don't know what they are, their envoy ships get different abilities. Right. And that was only one of a couple of different things you can do with the envoy ships. One thing that the Advent can research is the ability to where an envoy ship is parked to lend that planet additional culture spread in exchange for an improved relationship. So one of the things that was happening to me is I was getting swamped in orange culture. You know, their little culture line was pushing back my line from my limited uh, temples uh, just ridiculously because I had the envoys parked and I had toggled on this ability to help their culture in order to make them friendlier to me. Right. Uh, right. So that's another example of yep. huge differences in gameplay amongst the three races, but you have to dive pretty deep yeah. to get to that point. So can I can we talk a little bit about what actually I think is the most um, the most obvious and but I still think one of the more interesting parts of the diplomatic system, which is the mission system. Right. I mean, yes. That's the one that I think is the most obvious. because yes. It actually it pops up notices and says somebody has offered you a mission. Right. And the rest of diploma diplomacy, you can almost ignore. Right. You're, if you don't build an envoy ship, you're not going to learn all that stuff. And it's very easy to just sort of ignore the fact that an envoy might have shown up at one of your planets. Yeah. But missions are sort of part and parcel and the thing that i love about the mission system is it takes the pirate mechanic which was you know everybody bids on the pirate and somebody snipes like ebay the last you know three seconds of it and then every all the pirates go pile on somebody until the you know until the bounty's exhausted and it, and it adds a whole level of fine tuning to that which i think is really interesting because if you are playing a, a boom culture and you've managed to get your uh, you're working diplomacy and economics, which I did in one game against entirely against AI. Um, you really can kind of sit and sit back and play Godfather, where you basically sit here and let your economy build all this money, ignore your military largely, except for maybe a star base or something to def defend your home world, and and sort of get everybody sniping at each other. And that's incredibly satisfying. So you want to expl here. Ex explain how missions work, Julian? So, so missions basically are like you can pick a specific player and say, go attack this other player. But more specific than that, you can say, go attack this other player and destroy three civilian structures or go attack this other player and kill one capital ship or, th you know, three frigates or something like that so you can make and not just that julian you can say go to this other player's planet right here at this particular place yes like you can right, totally so you get very focus like a, like a surgical scalpel where yes. and what you want them to do right and it, it's very expensive it's not it's not free right. um and it has to be unlocked on the tech tree you have to definitely that, research that tech it as has well. to be unlocked on the tech tree certainly if you're working with ai players you have to have decent diplomatic relations with them to start with so you have to have been working that anyway so there there's a significant investment to get to that point but i felt like i needed to at least try it once before we talked about it and you can definitely build the sort of boom culture or a sort of boom economy where you get a lot of credits rolling really fast, um, ignore your military, really go down the diplomatic tree, and you can really start affecting the nature of the game 
from a distance. And and where I think this will actually be most interesting for me personally um, is in cop stops, which is the way I prefer to play sins all the time anyway. I mean, I love the 3v3 comp stomp or the 4v4 comp stomp because the AI, for with all of its flaws, I think the AI for Sins of a Soul of Empire has always been really interesting to play against. It hasn't just been brute force and boring right uh, and and having three players together where one goes really heavy military and another one really goes economic and starts pushing resources out to its friends that that's a really interesting co-op dynamic that i don't really see in any other game so i love the idea that you've now added diplomacy as another sort of role to play in doing a big four or five hour comp stomp on a saturday afternoon that's awesome that's new and i like that well a couple things that Go ahead, you know, Rob. I, I really, a couple things I really like about that system too, um, is that I think there's this tendency in strategy games for things to occasionally go a little too according to plan. You know, you have a strategy, you sort of stick to it, and there's really not much incentive to deviate from it unless somebody directly attacks you. What I like about these missions is that, you know, that pot can be sweet enough that you might have in mind you want to attack, some, you know, somebody in particular, but you get that mission coming coming across and you look at the reward. And suddenly, you throw your entire game plan out the window, and you're gonna go. You're gonna go. <laughs> money, money, money. Guy. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna go wreck that guy's shipyards because you know you're gonna redeploy the fleet. You know, put everything toward that. Um, and it, it just it makes it. I don't know that that sort of it, it has a really nice improvisational aspect to playing the game that I really appreciate. You know what it um, reminds me of, Rob? Uh, and and you and Troy would appreciate this. Mm-hmm. One of the things they finally hit on in, in Europa Universalis are these ideas of, of national missions, like objectives, like go take this territory uh, or, you know, get your navy this size. And it would focus the gameplay on more micro, not, not micro, like micromanagement, but as opposed to macro, these micro tasks as you're playing. So right. the missions that used to roll in in Sins, you'd look at it and you'd go, I, what, whatever, I'm not going to go over here and change my strategy to destroy three civilian uh, structures at this star system. That, that doesn't – forget that. <laughs> and these missions would roll in and they would have no there, – there was no worthwhile incentive behind them. But now you get these and it's sort of like, well, I've got a fleet. Maybe I'll go over there and trash those three, three structures and pull out uh, because what that's giving you – are those diplomatic points that moves towards that that victory well, tower and maybe? and maybe a pile of resources too yeah but the thing is the pile of resources you can get other ways like you can sure. use yeah, of course. you can use your but you can't get those diplomatic points other ways it's an opportunity to move closer to a sort of a victory score uh by improving the relationship and adding points there and i think that sweetens the pot more than you know, a thousand credits. Uh, right. And one of the things that I really... I don't like, know. It's a, thousand, a thousand credits is a lot of credits. Please. Is, uh, you know what, Troy? You can have a thousand right now. I'm sending them to you right now. Here you go. There, they're in your account. <laughs> I just love... Sp- I love space bucks. Oh, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing. I, I just want to make one little note on the multiplayer. Even if you ignore diplomacy in a multiplayer game, the fact that the ability to move resources around is now a diplomatic... Oh, my God. Function, that one, that one took both of us by surprise, didn't it? <laughs> oh my god! My girl, my, okay, we were we were playing, um, you know, three v three, and Julian and I were in the same system, and my partner was in a different system with two really nasty AI. Hold on, Rob. Um, hold on one second. Hold on one second. What is this poor girl's first name? Um, you know, honestly, I'd rather not say because it's really easy. <laughs> no, honestly, it's Boba like, very Fett. Easy to get I met her. Come on, it's Boba Fett. I met what's her. What's the What's her first Boba initial? Fett. 
M. I call her M. Okay. Well, we'll call her M because it's my partner. Give her a name at least. Okay, so so I'm sorry, I cut you off. You and M and Julian were playing the resources. Yeah, so so MK is over in this other system, and Julian and I are fighting this AI, and she just gets slammed by aggressive AIs, and you know two of them are attacking her, and Julian and I are saying, okay, well we'll just you know we'll send you some resources. We open up the windows, and everything's grayed out. We can't send her money, can't send her metal, can't send her anything, and we have made no progress towards the tech. That allows you to send resources. So she's like, you know, like, I've got like five thousand credits and eight hundred crystal. I can send it to your way right now, and I'm like, oh no, I can't. Yeah, so she's bleeding to death while we're <laughs> crash building civic research stations. Now, is this because any time you give resources in a multiplayer game, it's going to affect the relationship as if it was a gift? Yes, you have. Oh, to that's awesome. Even if you're in an alliance and you're established as being on the same team, and when you're on the same team, all the Planet Vision stuff turns on, like, oh, that's all automatic. But the pact stuff is not automatic. And giving stuff to people is part of the pact tree. So I noticed that's another bit where there's distinctions among the sides that's in a little deeper. As the advent, I had a tech, and I assume it's unique to them. I'm, I'm guessing the TEC and the Vasari have their own similar tech. I had a tech that I could research where if I give people crystal – then I get an increased, like a 200% diplomacy return. So one of the things I was able to do in my game with Rob is I had an awesome ice planet that had these four crystal mines, and I was just producing lots of crystal. I'd research the tech for the extra diplomacy boost, and I was just handing crystal out like candy. <laughs> uh, so, so that's another thing, I guess, where I'm assuming the TEC maybe gets a space buck bonus and the Vasari a mineral bonus. Uh, that would make sense. So did you save her? Uh, well, I mean, no, no, because well, we had a actually, diplomatic victory against us like, like ten minutes yeah, later. Dip- diplomatic victory ended the game. I will say that, but it turns out that she actually didn't need our help. Uh, it was all a lie. She's lying to you. <laughs> no, I she's faking it. Uh, no, she's just she's a really good uh, boomer, as it happens. Oh. Um, so credit, like she was a wash in money, and whatever the uh, AI was taking out, she was replacing it. She actually said after the game. Um, you know, she didn't actually notice when Julian and I were sending financial aid uh, because it didn't make an appreciable difference in her income rate. So, wow, you guys that, are hurt. I so sent her like so 7,000 credits in 10 seconds. That I would have thought that would have noticed. So much for chivalry. <laughs> oh, well. MK sounds awesome. MK is awesome. Oh, I, know, enjoyed actually, playing, I, I enjoyed playing with her immensely, even though she was in a different star system and I never got to actually like interact with her. You oh, know, you guys didn't all start in the same system. No, uh, and that was that was actually a bizarre thing that uh, it was some combination of the map that you chose and the fact that we were doing three v three meant that balance with big fat air quotes around it, like I'm in the seventies, um, was two of us and one enemy in one system and one of us and two enemy in another system. That didn't work out so well. No, well, I mean, but the thing is, we should have had the advantage, right? We had it was two on one in our star system, and we still lost the game. We um, weren't paying attention, though. We 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 focused too much on what we were doing and not on, hey, it's two on one. We should go wipe this guy out really fast. Yeah, we, we probably should have moved quicker. One thing I want to I want to say though, because um, I, I I didn't know that uh, sins worked this way, and I think it's really awesome that it does. Um, is that uh, MK and I can play together online with other people um, simultaneously using the same Ironclad Online account. Nice. And yep. almost every other RTS I played where we tried to play online, 
Um, over the LAN, it's fine. Doesn't care if you're working off the same uh, registry key, but um, you know, you try to take it on the internet. You know, with people who live elsewhere, that doesn't work. It shuts you right down. Um, Actually, Rob, I mean, that's. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I think I, I'm just I'm really pleased that this is a game where you know we can play from my you know the household copy allows us right. to play online with other people. I'm sure yeah, that's, that you're that's not the, the case somewhere. But that that's so not the case though with with most RTSs anymore. Uh, as yeah. someone, you know, I have a six computer LAN here. We have a weekly gathering. Uh, there, there. I can't think of a recent RTS other than Demigod or Sins that I did not require six entirely separate CD keys for. Uh, unfortunately, that's the the way it's going to be well, most of the time. That's what that's what I'm saying is that it's awesome that Sins operates this way. Right. Uh, well, but the, but the, to be fair, the question is whether it's actually saying it's okay or if it's just not getting in your way. My guess is that you're really not probably supposed to have two people playing at the same time off your one copy. Just they're they're just so no, cool it, about it. I mean, they're yeah, so just, laid back. I mean, they know that it's it's open to abuse. And I just think uh, the the philosophy of Stardock is basically, you know what? I agree. Have I agree. Brad, Brad Wardell is a hero in yeah. that regard. Yeah. He absolutely uh, is. And uh, the sales of Sins have been very good, so they can justify it. Exactly. So I think we should do a 3v3 game. We should. Uh, Who do we do? Yeah. Another three players? Four. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with players. AK and Bruce. Uh, M- I call M- Bruce for M- you guys' team. Yeah, and we get Bruce a copy and think if Bruce doesn't have an uh, impulse account, and we do a three v three game for a versus in a couple of weeks' time. I would love uh, to do that. Bruce now actually problem, likes that would be sins. outstanding. Does Bruce, I, re- I love sins? Does I mean, Bruce I, like I, I will say again. I'll say towards the end here what I said at the beginning. The best part about diplomacy as an expansion is that it brought me back to the core game of Sins of a Solar Empire, which is just more polished and tighter than it ever was, right? And it was brilliant on release, and I played just countless hours of it on release, and I played a ton of entrenchment, and this just brought me back to it again, and so. You know, I I applaud them for that. Just sort of dropping another ten dollar hook out every couple months to make you come back to their awesome game because it's awesome. Well, Diplomacy is only ten bucks. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So ten buck expansion <laughs> and since Trinity is a meaty two point two gigabytes. Wow. I have to download Napoleon Total War later tonight. It's twenty. <laughs> <laughs> is it really twenty? Yeah. That's um, obscene. 20 gigabytes? Yeah. There better be full motion video for like 11 hours for the to be Of Napoleon. <laughs> of Napoleon, yes. We better see Napoleon taking a dump for that to matter. <laughs> Josephine must bring me coffee <laughs> to justify 20 gigabytes uh, for that. So gigabytes? This is like uncompressed wave files and giant well, JPEGs? I, well, this is the Steam download. God knows what it's going to expand into. <laughs> Oh I don't know. So yeah, no sins. That's I, I agree with you, Julian. I mean, like I had neglected sins for a long time. So many other games had come along that had distracted me. But I, uh, I think Tom's adjective stately is right, and I think diplomacy is of diplomacy plus entrenchment has really made me want to play it more and more and more. Now this past weekend, I was kind of distracted by some family issues, uh, so I didn't get as much time into it as I wanted to. But it is uh, a game I going to be probably devoting as much time as I can as soon as I... It's going to take like 10 days for Napoleon to download, so... 
There you go. Well, Lots of time for Sins. One thing I, I want to throw in here is, as someone who hadn't played much Sins at all and always been sort of put off by, you know, how overwhelming, how huge it all sounded, um, I really thought it was not going to be a novice-friendly game at all. But the the way the game is paced, the way it unfolds so slowly, um, the way you have so much time to sit and think about your next move and plan... Um, you know, it really makes it actually one of the most accessible games RTSs I've played um, in a long time. Um, it's got none of that, none of what I associate with RT, with the RTS genre. The you know, sign in, get your ass kicked, and you know, restart until you've got your opening you know nailed down. Um, none of that, none of that exists. You have time to have a good game, even if you eventually lose, while you're learning it. I would say yeah. that Rob probably, if you were to jump onto Ironclad Online, it would be closer to a little bit of, of yeah. That. You'll get your, ass get your ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a lot of opportunity because it is partly because it is so slow and unfolds so methodically. There's a lot of opportunity to do things incorrectly early on in a competitive environment. Um, yes. But one of the things that's amazing about diplomacy is just how much more it adds specifically to the single player experience yes. for someone yeah. who wants a game more like Galsiv. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and the and other thing, thing, real quick, I, and Julian, you can go. Uh, I love the fact that. Uh, part of what makes it work so well, Rob, and I think you'll agree, for a new player, is their interface is just unparalleled yes. as far as giving yes. you immediate access to a lot of important information without pulling your attention away from cool-looking things. You can be sitting and admiring the awesome battles zoomed in close, and you can still be managing your empire with that beautiful little tree they have on the left side of the screen. Yep, and and I will say that the alert system, which is, you know, what like tells yes. you whether or not you're about to lose a system or whatever has been subtly but substantially improved since launch. Right? What did so, they do? I mean, well, the, the, you have now those four panels in the lower left right. that, that, that flash if stuff is happening. Right. And, and the, the audibles that it calls, uh, you know, telling you what's going on in different places are now much more common and, and sensible than they used to be. It used to be huh. possible that you would you would be getting harassed every time a scout showed up in every system. Yes. I know, yeah. Our planet <laughs> is under siege. No, it's right. not. <laughs> no, it's not. It was a scout system. It skirted the atmosphere and ran away. Right. So, I mean, all of that stuff has been been very delightfully tuned. The other thing I will say about Sins is that Sins is is really the only one that I can think of. It is a fabulous co-op game playing against a computer and that's only gotten better with diplomacy and as the ai has really improved and i i my favorite way to play this game is still with x number of players versus x number of ai i mean i love doing 2v2 and 3v3 and 4v4 and 5v5 comp stops i mean it's just fun and it really adds a, a whole layer of strategic gameplay. I can't, I can't think of a single other RTS that offers that kind of really in-depth, long, detailed, uh, you know, dramatic game when you're playing in a, in a co-op environment. And, and I probably played more hours of this co-op versus the AI than, than any other way. Well, I think that says more sort of about the actual core gameplay, Julian, than, mm -hmm. than anything specific about co-op. I mean, you can have a very similar experience with people who know and appreciate, for instance, Age of Empires 3. Uh, that's a fantastic game, and I think it can be just as good co-op given, you know, that you like the gameplay 
as as sins can be. Now, sure, now what I would totally agree with you, with Julian, is that what diplomacy adds. Yeah, 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 exactly. Diplomacy makes it. You're right. A whole other kettle of fish. Uh, absolutely. So diplomacy yeah. definitely makes it stand apart as something that you really can't get in uh, any other RTS. Yeah. Right. And and prior to this, um, less so in entrenchment, but certainly in the original. Uh, once we'd all sort of, you know, once my little crew had sort of figured out the basics of the game, mm-hmm. the only way to make the comp stomp experience really fun was to really make the computer ridiculous, right? To give yeah. them big, it wasn't that they were smart. You were just giving them a big advantage. You were giving them points off the bat, as it were. Um, now you don't need to do that because the computer is very skilled at using diplomacy. And as people, we're not. Right. It's not going to be something we're used to as gamers really thinking about the co-op diplomacy experience. Um, and so I feel like I've got a good 20 or 30 hours of co-op play ahead of me before I've even really tackled how to deal with the diplomacy win. One complaint I have that was I, I really, in a way, should not have won that game that you and I were playing, Rob. No, you should not have. Well, the thing is, if the orange player who I was milking for diplomacy points, he could have, you know, I had three planets over just right next to him. He should have seen I was about to win and completely rolled in and taken me out of the equation before I hit that point. And and maybe he was going to do that. But doing that last minute pop of all my envoys made it. AI seems seems really oblivious to the diplomatic victory, the threat it poses. Yeah, um, so I was a little disappointed in that. And so as a comp stomp, I wonder how if that would be too easy to exploit the way I did in our game. I, I don't know. Uh, Rob's a jerk for giving all that money to the pirates. You started it, Tom. <laughs> the, the pirates no, are the best I was, I was the totally best being part. peaceful and in investing into diplomacy. No, 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 no. See, you lie. You lie during the game, and you lie now. <laughs> okay? You know, I, I look. I open up the pirate bidding window, and it's just shot through the roof. And, you know, Tom's like, Oh boy, someone is really is really got it in for you, Rob. You know, some, someone really wants you dead. Um, you know, and that happens often enough, and you start to think maybe it's my friend Tom. <laughs> maybe maybe Mister Turtler is the one stabbing me in the back. I do love like Julian, you talking about how the diplomacy gives you something that you can't get in any other RTS. I feel the same way about the pirate dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I love yeah, that. Absolutely, absolutely. Is it new? Julian, is it new now that as you give the pirates money, that the amount of income they've amassed over the game determines their power? Isn't that a, a tweak that was added in? I think that was always in the game. Pretty sure that was that was always in Sins that you would it was the deterrent to keep you from spamming them with too much money. Otherwise, they would just be too powerful and too strong later in the game. See, I thought that that was something they added in diplomacy. That there was a sort of a, a gameplay progression of the power, the powerfulness of the pirates over the course of playing. But that now it's tied entirely into how much wealth they get. And I, I, I don't know. You, you might be right, Troy. I will say um, that towards the end of the game, the pirates seemed ridiculously powerful because they oh. were able to burn up about eight thousand dollars, eight thousand credits worth of with the, worth of bounty in about a minute. And and that's that's just a that's a unique mechanic. I mean, there's nothing yeah. like that as far as well, I know in any other RTS. You know, and, one and, interesting thing about the pirates is that at times it almost seems like it makes more sense to let them destroy stuff because trying to fight them off is going to prove so distracting and so exhausting that it might it you know it actually leaves you in worse in a worse in worse shape than if you'd sort of let them sweep through a system. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well the trick is I mean the the classic strategy is grinding the pirates to level up your cap ships. I mean that's 
that was within the first two weeks of launch and it still worked today because I was able to get, I mean, Rob, in our game, what was, did you finish with a level six cap ship? What were you at? I was at level five. Okay. So you were doing it too. But I mean, that's, that's a pretty fundamental strategy is, is sending your cap ship in to like grind on the, the neutral. Julian, theoretically speaking, wouldn't it be more practical to grind your cap ships on another player to sort of give yourself an edge the, and while knocking someone well, else down. Yeah, but the but the the, the but, but, the but the, then the, then they bring in their cap ships and yes, yeah, exactly. The thing is, pirates don't have cap ships, right? Okay. And and so if you know that the pirates are coming after you, it's pretty easy generally by the mid game to figure out. Okay, they're going to land here. I should get three level three level one cap ships right there as they come in, um, and then just you know, micromanage that battle so that you don't actually lose anything. Um, because the pirates, you know, they're pretty straightforward. They don't, they're not that complex. The AI tends to be much more complex. The actual AI. I did love how the pirates would actually not come in through my minefield as I was hoping they would. I don't know if there was, like I saw where the base was and they definitely were not taking the shortest line from their base to my empire. They were coming right. in towards a, a lightly defended system. So there is at least some sort of tactical nuance there about where well, mines got mines were initially an entrenchment. They launched and they were sort of bugged like there. That wouldn't happen in, in the initial launch of entrenchment or maybe it was in the beta. But by the time we got towards the end of entrenchment with a couple patches, mines really were awesome. I and mean, they did. Yeah. They they were powerful, but they weren't like ridiculous. You couldn't just lay them down in the middle of every flight route. Just count on instant victories. So I'm sorry. Has, has anyone played a full game with the diplomacy expansion, but with the diplomatic victory turned off? No, no. Do that. That's crazy talk. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just curious, like because uh, for me, I, diplomacy, the diplomatic victory, noticeably shortens the game, and I'm curious what all these new diplomatic options change when you're not building toward that victory. Right. Well, it, and, it, you know, it, it the still, it's still, you still have in there things like the pacts. Right. And, you, you know, the the relationship with another player, especially an AI, determines things like whether or not they're going to allow a trade pact, uh, shared vision, ceasefires, that sort of thing. So you still have to game all that, but it just doesn't have that cutoff point. That you're, so, so yeah, you well, know what? I guess turning off diplomatic victory, it's not like you're disabling all the gameplay stuff in diplomacy. So no, right. not at all. Not well, at but all. I'm, I'm curious save. to see it operating in field conditions, you know? Um Okay, uh, so we should probably be wrapping this up now. We're nearing whoa, the hour. Whoa, we mark. haven't even talked about Bioshock 2 yet. Yeah, we're not going to no! talk about that. You know you can turn Bioshock. on like, a film camera yep. and like do research in that game? Can I talk about FIFA 10? FIFA 10 rocks the house. Can I talk about Napoleon Total War? Yes. No, because you haven't downloaded it yet. I can make it up. People make up reviews. People, people make up reviews anyway. How much? How much more do you need to know about Napoleonics? Really, at this point in your strategy gaming career, isn't it all covered? I think you're. Oh, right. what about Darwinia Plus? Why aren't we talking about that? That's totally a strategy game. It totally is. Yes. I'm so looking and forward it, to that. You don't have to look forward to it anymore. It's here. It's arrived. <laughs> don't say that. It's too much already to do. All right. Uh, final words. Buy it. Right. Ten, ten bucks it. can't go wrong. Or if you haven't played yeah, it yet, sure. buy it now. Well, the, thing, sure. the thing is, not only is is Sins better than it's ever been, it is, and this is grammatically incorrect, so you'll have to pardon me, it is more unique than it has ever been. So, huge thumbs up for me. Good. I think the whole degrees of uniqueness fight to battle has been pretty thoroughly lost, um, so you can go ahead and say it. Extremely unique, more unique. It's, it's <laughs> Very, very <now>. unique. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, I, I don't know. I, I still, I don't feel like I know Sins well enough one way or the other to say definitively whether or not I think this is, this expansion really succeeds. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of my experience playing it. I'm not sure how much of that I owe to the expansion versus how much to the core game. So, I mean, I couldn't tell you. And I'm really curious to see how this works if we all play together as, you know, as humans, um, how these mechanics operate when you can't just game an AI. Well, some of us are humans. If Mr. Garrick comes along, we'll have to see, because uh, elves play differently. So, uh, next week is uh, episode 53, the beginning of a new year. We'll be celebrating uh, one year of Three Moves Ahead. Probably our, it's our first anniversary show and probably our last anniversary show, but I'm so happy uh, we're going to do it anyway. All five panelists will hopefully be here. I will collect a few of my favorite clips and yours, as, and we will play them as we go through. If Wait, you have, Troy, Troy, yeah. you just, is this our last anniversary show? Is this last like, are you, are you like quitting? No, we're are not. Are you announcing the final season? I'm retiring, yes. Three moves ahead? It's like the final no, season. I, fi- I finally get off the island <laughs> and get a real job. No, uh, no it's, it's tired. It's he's just, tired and old and grumpy. It's just that anniversary shows, let's do one for the first one. We're not going to do one every year. Sure we are. Well, <laughs> let's see how good the, how good each, how, how much good material each year produces. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe your listeners want this. Rob, Rob, <laughs> now that we have you, it's all uphill. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Julia. Is that a compliment or a ding? I can't quite tell. <laughs> that was intended to cause confusion. It was deception. It was a ruse. We haven't talked about ruse. We need to talk about ruse. We have talked about ruse in passing. No, but we have to talk about it in detail. God. Yes. We're having the second year. There's a lot coming out. Relax. We'll get to it. All right. Good night, uh, everyone. If you have not uh, seen the new Flash of Steel, if you just listened to the podcast, please check out the new improved site. It is now easier to read and prettier to look at. And I'm actually going to be blogging uh, more on it. See you all next week. Say good night, everyone. Goodbye. Good night, all. Off to Azeroth. Thanks, guys.